Welcome to the Evolutionary Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Castles, PhD. When you think about your child's sleep, what are the words that often come to mind? I know in Western cultures, we often hear independence, self-soothing, needy, manipulative, and so on. The way in which we speak about something has a profound impact on how we conceptualize and approach it. In the realm of sleep, the language of independence and manipulation has led to the flourishing of sleep training and perceived sleep problems for many families. But what if we had culturally approved and accepted language that focused on supporting our children during sleep? What difference could that make? The word uspavani embraces just that. And yes, you do get to sing it. Unlike in our Western world, in the Czech Republic, they do have language that focuses on embracing the support our kids need. Joining me today is Mrs. Lenka Tinkova, a Czech sleep expert and graduate student who's exploring the very issue of how language and concepts like uspavani support families in helping their children. If you've ever felt alone in your sleep journey, or like you're doing something wrong by helping your child, it may be time to learn about and embrace uspavani in your family. I am so pleased to have with me today Mrs. Lenka Medvezova-Tinkova. She is a researcher at Durham Infancy and Sleep Center. She obtained her master's degree in general anthropology with a focus on ethology and sociocultural anthropology at the Charles University in Prague in the Czech Republic before she joined the Durham Infancy and Sleep Center in 2020 as a researcher and PhD candidate in medical anthropology under the supervision of Dr. Helen Ball and Dr. Rosalind Malcolm. She's interested in research topics such as the different parental approaches to children's sleep, sociocultural influences on parental behaviors, toddler sleep, co-sleeping, long-term breastfeeding, the medicalization and pathologizing of children's sleep, and the concept of uspavani. Lenka is currently researching toddler sleep differences and parental practices in the Czech Republic. She's also the founder of Prosim Spinke, a Czech baby sleep project within which she popularizes anthropology of sleep, supports parents in gentle parenting, and organizes workshops and seminar, seminars pardon me, for professionals about infant sleep through the lenses of anthropology. She provides expert commentary about infant and child sleep on radio stations, the press, parenting websites, and television in the Czech Republic. She is also the author of two books for parents and professionals and the author of three children's books with fairy tale stories for calm sleep. Thank you so much for being here today. And I did my best with the check. I, I worked, for those of you that are listening now, Lenka had to talk me through how to pronounce things in Czech, and I did my best, which was... As good as it's going to get, I think. It was great. It was great translation. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It is. Well, you recently published a paper that we are going to talk about in more depth, which I absolutely loved. It was looking at the effects of language on how we perceive particular sleep problems or just sleep in general for our children. Um, and I mean, I would actually think we could extend that to parenting more generally in the language we, we use, and we'll talk about that. Um, but before we get there, I'd love to hear your story as to how you became not only interested actually in these topics for research, but your site as well, because it sounds a little familiar, a, a, a site that shares things about parenting and sleep and whatnot for families from, from a lens of anthropology. So I would be curious as to how you came about doing this yourself in the Czech Republic. Well, um, 
my journey to sleep research and sleep itself was influenced by many different experiences, life experiences, let's say. The first one was my childhood and it was my uh, own relationship with a sleep because I was a very sensitive child. And I knew that anything what happened during the day will be mirrored in my sleep. And I love to sleep in company with others. I uh, bed share with my parents and my parents always helped me to fall asleep. I bed share with my sister. And uh, it, for me, it was quite normal to fall asleep talking by uh, with someone or uh, fall asleep while I was uh, reading the fairy tales and so on. And um, because I love the story, I loved stories, and because I loved giving the questions, uh, I thought that the best profession for me will be journalism. So I obtained my my bachelor in media studies, and I still think that the journalism journalism is very similar in some points with anthropology because when you are a good journalist, you are trying to observe and explore. Um, in the real world, the topics and uh, you listen to the stories of other people and you try to capture what is going on in there. And uh, that's what uh, anthropology in some parts do as well. And that was another very important experience, life experience for me. But the most important one came when I became mother, as for most of the sleep researchers, I guess. And because uh, that time when I first time became a mother, we lived temporarily with my husband in the UK and I was far away from my family members. So when I was struggling with my uh, daughter's sleep, because she was exactly the same as me, she really needs my company in everything. She was very uh, needy for a contact and she breastfed a lot. And when I was struggling with uh, some questions around sleep, I didn't have my family to support me. So I tried to look for the answers online and didn't find any information on Czech websites or Slovak websites. So I tried to look in the English websites. And it was the first time I uh, realized that there is something like sleep training. And uh, I had to Google some phrases because it's all, it was so novel for me. I didn't know. And I had to translate what is drowsy but awake uh, what is sleep regression and uh, control crying and uh, I was so, so I was so nervous because it was really different from what I knew from my previous experiences from my own childhood and I didn't understand why I should leave my child to cry because I, as a child, uh, knew that how sensitive sleep can be and how difficult is it to be alone in it. So uh, I get angry and my journalistic part inside of me advised me to search for some scientific proof of this sleep training. And fortunately, I found um, uh, papers from Helen Ball and James McKenna. And I found a book from Meredith Small, Our Babies, Ourselves. And I felt so relieved. I was like, yes, this is what I remember from my childhood. And this is what I feel. So it's uh, scientific proof that my instincts are right. And I don't need to do uh, sleep training if I want my child to feel, feel good and sleep good in the future. 
And that was another experience. So when I get back to Czech Republic, I created the web page Prosims Pinkay because uh, there was no source for parents, no support, online support for them if they were looking for some uh, answers about the sleep. So I created the web page and the parents start to send me their sleep stories. They were very happy to have some sort of support uh, in their language. And I found out that the, from medical authorities, they listen a lot of uh, information and myths about the sleep and breastfeeding. So I got a bit angry about it and I did uh, I obtained certification in lactation consultancy and I tried to support families uh, in one-to-one sessions and uh, I listened a lot of stories and it brought me a lot of questions to my mind. So uh, finally, I realized that maybe the best uh, option will be to uh, go to the university and study anthropology and research it more in depth. So uh, I obtained my master's degree and did my first uh, big ethnography research in the Czech families and in the the Czech community centers. And after that, uh, I uh, organized a symposium where Helen Ball and James McKenna came to Prague to talk. And it was so great to see them speak about it and it was for professionals for doulas and lactation consultants and for some pediatricians and I saw how uh, how meaningful it is for the professionals to listen to the researchers talking about these instinctual things and that they then they don't have enough information um, which they can use in communication with parents so I said to myself that I really want to continue in this research journey. And that's, in short version, how I end up in Berlin Fun Sleep Center uh, uh, in the Helen Ball's uh, sleep lab. What I, I love your journey. That's amazing. And in some... Mm-hmm. Some ways it parallels a lot of my own kind of looking online. And my husband is the one who pushed me into actually doing EP through... I always half joke that he just got sick of being the one person I would rant to all the time about everything that you read as you saw on those English language sites. And I'm going, this isn't right. I know this isn't right. I've read the articles. There's no way this makes sense. And just be like, just, just put it out there. Just please <laughs> someone else. And I thought no one was interested, but it was a different because in the English language world, when I started, it was, there were places that, spoke about it, you know, co-sleeping, everything, but it was a very different lens. It wasn't a science-based lens. It was almost, um, I hate to say it because I love all these sites as well, but the perception was that it was kind of hippy-dippy and all that, you know, everyone's just, oh, they're off the beaten path, not mainstream. And I was like, no, 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 this is really science-based. This has nothing, you know, you, you go look at the research. Um, but I love that you did. And I love, I will say, as I'm sure you noticed, listening, I've had the joy of of attending and speaking at conferences with both Helen and Jim. They are so wonderful to listen to. It is like you just get mesmerized sitting back. And I keep saying one day I want to speak as well as them. Just one day I will. And I won't. I never will. But I want to at some point. So it is, uh, it's lovely. It must be a joy working in that lab. Yes. And they are both great persons. 
Yeah. Too. Oh, lovely. All right. So what we are talking about today, you had uh, your work on language and sleep in particular, the article we're going to talk about, you framed it in what you call, and I quote from your paper here, sleep in the family system. And how this relates to the more common infant sleep science that we often see discussed, as we just kind of talked about, in the Western and English spheres. So what what do you mean when you talk about sleep in the family system? I mean, by that, I mean that the sleep of the children is linked to the whole family functioning. And it means that what's going on in the family it probably will mirror in the evening practices and in the whole family well-being. And it's important to explore the situation, individual situation in the families and not only giving the numbers, number of hours which children should sleep and generalize the children's sleep to only children because there is never only the child and the sleep. It's the family and the sleep that the family sleep would uh, be better <laughs> to name it. And um, I think that we miss a lot of important data about the family sleep. And um, there is a lot of papers, ethnographical papers about uh, about the sleep in the family, uh, but they are not uh, yet implemented in sleep science um, paradigm about infant sleep. Uh, for example, as, I, as uh, we mentioned in the paper, um, we know that a lot of Asian countries uh, do co-sleep and bed share with the infants, but there are just numbers be without a context, but if we do the ethnographical research in the families and in this part of the world, we can connect this practice with more in-depth um, meanings as the Diana Tehan uh, already did in Japan. And she found that the co-sleeping and bed sharing, it's very important um, for the family and for the attachment and for the connection between the family members. So when we say that co-sleeping is not good, we can harm the values and we can harm the feelings of some families because we don't know that it's their sociocultural uh, values in the family system, for example. I love the way you mention sleep in the family system as this kind of holistic view of sleep because i think as soon as you start with that framework like i it changes everything because if you think about sleep on its own as you said in our anglosphere we end up just with your kid needs to sleep in this way for this number of hours it, it's very prescriptive as to what to mm -hmm. do and yet as soon as you say, no, 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 it's a family system, we all acknowledge families have a variety of needs and relationships and history and everything going on, that suddenly that opens the door that, of course, there's going to be a million different ways that families engage with sleep. And one is no better or worse than the other because it's reflecting the system as a whole. And, you know, when we think about language shaping things, that very notion of, you know, a family system of sleep as opposed to an individual sleep just opens the door 
to thinking about this in a really, I mean, I think important way, um, but a necessary way, especially for research, I think, because it is, you know, we have been kind of driven by this Anglosphere view of independent sleep training, get your kid to sleep X number of hours, and none of it's worked out very well, but we keep trying to kind of push this home. So the current sleep research that you've done is ethnographic and qualitative in nature. And I always ask people to explain a bit about what this means. So who are the families that took part? What is kind of the, how did you recruit people? How did you get them in? What was kind of the process for gathering the information that we're going to be talking about? So that everyone understands kind of what we're, we're looking at, because so many people are used to these quantitative studies that come out where we're just looking at these numbers and outcomes and we really, I think, miss the systems element of things. Mm -hmm. um, that ethnographic study or that paper uh, which uh, you were referring to is based on the only the part of my research because I did a big ethnographic research in community centers. So I, was, I spent a lot of time uh, on the workshops for mothers, breastfeeding groups, uh, observing them, talking to them. And I was uh, on a work workshop when they were talking about the sleep and breastfeeding, co-sleeping, bed sharing. And um, I did focus groups in three different cities in three parts of the Czech Republic. And it was 90 mothers in total. And mostly it was... Um, secondary or higher education, middle-income uh, families, and with the children from birth to three years. And we were discussing how they perceive the normal infant and child sleep, what are their experiences with the sleep, and uh, what are their practices they do, what are the challenges and struggles in terms of sleep and evening practices, and what appeared as the most usual topic was that concept of uspavani because it's quite common that we use it but it's also quite common that we struggle about it and we have the doubts if we do that right and what we should change to shorten the time we spend with the child in the evening so I did more interviews, the semi-structured interviews to find out more in depth uh, about the parental uh, practices during the evening. And I asked, this time I asked also the fathers and grandmothers, and I found that it was also the very common uh, term in grandmother's point of view, like they also uh, kind of used uspavani <laughs> in many different um, ways. Uh, they help the child to uh, fall asleep and supported them emotionally or, or physically. But there were also the grandmothers who used cried out. It's not like in the Czech Republic, we don't have this practice cried out, but we don't have the some of the phrases from sleep training. And we didn't have sleep trainers in here till 2019. Now you can find some new accounts on the social media from the sleep consultants because the sleep children's sleep is in its rice. This topic is in, in rice uh, in here, but uh, it's a novel here. So you can find some books from, from abroad, from Anglophone countries about controlled crying, mostly fair verb, I guess. Uh, but it's not 
that usual that we have consultants who help us to train the child to sleep. We have a lot of lactation consultants who help you with the breastfeeding and support you. We have uh, online discussions everywhere where, where the parents uh, advise one each other about the practices. Um, back to the research again. Uh, so I was trying to find out the different um, meanings under the sleep, children's sleep in the families, in their point of view. And I found also a lot of uh, proof in historical books that the uspavani is very important part of our historic uh, of our history. So let me, I first just want to ask one question about the, the study itself. And then I want to ask probably the most important as people are listening. But the first was, so you had your focus groups and your semi-structured interviews that you did with individuals. Were the semi-structured interviews a subsample of those that had been part of the focus groups or were they a totally different group altogether? There were different groups okay. because I was spending a lot of time in the community centers. So I found uh, by opportunistic example, I found uh, families which were willing to participate and talk to me and uh, took me to their homes uh, to interview them and to see how they live and what they think about the children's sleep. And one last question on this. Sorry, then I'll get to the important one. Because you had grandmothers, is it common in the Czech Republic to kind of have extended families? Is it either living together or being that actively involved in the care of the child, the kind of allo care that we commonly think of? It used to be common, but it's not the case these days because a lot of the... we we. I think that this trend is similar to the other Western countries, like you know, nuclear families, who are trying to uh, sort out the childcare problems by themselves, only the father and the mother. But there are uh, there are some parts of the Czech Republic where it's still common to have the family around. Okay, interesting. So now comes probably the big question that everyone has been thinking of, because we've mentioned Uspavani regularly. What is it? What are we talking about here? Because it's clearly crucial to sleep, but what does it even refer to? Uh, Uspavani is uh, the, the simplest explanation could be like helping or bringing the baby or child to sleep. It can be done by different activities of parents or grandparents, like passive or active, emotional or physical. For example, uh, helping them by rocking, by feeding, by cuddling, by talking or reading fairy tales, or simply by lying down with a child and waiting in silence until he closes his or her eyes and falls asleep, or pretend that you are already sleeping and you you wish the child will following you because it's the child see that you are already sleeping. This concept is known and used in the whole Czech Republic and also in Slovakia, so it's very um, well-known practice. And it's not new because I found... I found the uh, Uspavani words in dictionary from 1825. I found it in fiction and nonfiction in 19th century and 20th century. So it's quite uh, um, often used also in the, in the books and in the literature. Uh, and it's described there as the 
emotional or physical support for a child to and through sleep. I remember when you wrote about it, um, it was very positive. It was a term that felt like this was viewed in a positive light. But was it always viewed positive by those who you were interviewing? Did they talk about it as, yes, this is something good that we do? Like, we have that lens. Obviously, you and I look at this as, this is great. That's what we should be doing. But did the people who are actually engaging in it feel the same way about it? And I asked this, I should clarify, I asked this because I know in the Anglosphere, when I've worked with families individually, many times that type of support is something they are feeling guilt about. They feel bad about it because our narrative here is that that's bad. You shouldn't, you know, kids need to get to sleep on their own. So they will talk about doing it. And I will be like, that's fantastic. And they'll be like, no, this is horrible. And we need to stop it. And so I guess that is it the same there? Because as you said, you sleep training is relatively new. The concepts that you even had to research weren't even, you had to Google translate, you know, some of these terms. So how do people perceive it in this sample? Mm -hmm. uh, parents often hear the sentences as, which you mentioned about they shouldn't co-sleep, they shouldn't breastfeed too much, they shouldn't help children to fall asleep from the medical professionals because they are taking uh, guidelines from American pediatrician associations mostly. But uh, they have a great support and they can find great support in community centers for mothers. And um, the reason uh, why... It looked like so ideal in that paper. It's back because we didn't have the space <laughs> to write more. Uh, how to write more about Uspavani, and also because we wanted to highlight the most important thing for us was to highlight that there are some words that may be hidden under the uh, general English terms for sleep science. And the main point was to open the discussion Then maybe some researchers from uh, different sociocultural uh, background and different sociocultural environments uh, can be lost in translation when they're trying to describe what they see. And this, I don't speak only about the Czech Republic. I speak about a lot of other countries. For example, just... Recently, I read one paper from South Korea and was written that bedtime were, was very positive for children and for parents as well. But bedtime itself can have different meanings for Anglophone countries and for us. For example, if I try to translate the Uspavani to English version, I would say bedtime, but I mean also parental presence. But when I read... Uh, uh, articles about bedtime and positive effects of bedtime. I see that it's uh, that uh, they mean um, rituals 30 minutes before the sleep and before the child is expected to self-soothe. But in my point of view, it's bedtime means also the time I spend with the child in the evening. So I was wondering if the same uh, 
is in that Korean research. And I asked personally uh, the authors, I wrote them an email and asked them what they mean by bedtime and positive, um, which uh, have positive effects on child and the parents. And they answered to me that it's common in South Korea to spend the time with the child in the evening while they're present and they don't let them... Uh, alone and they don't expect from them to self-suit so in that research they mean parental presence as a bedtime and it has finally it has totally different meaning and totally different explanation of that research because we all know that rituals uh, in the evening are positive in both school of thoughts but in some research articles by bedtime they also may mean parental present during the evening and it also may have from their results it was clear positive effect on the parents and on their children as well so this is the way this is the the most important thing we wanted to highlight that it's important to go back and to explore from the beginning not just to take some paradigm and try to prove it uh, and to, just to go there to the families and try to find out about the practices because uh, parental presence is a very common practice around the world and as you mentioned i don't think personally that uh, there is something like these Czech families do and English families don't do. I think that it's only about these parents feel supported to do that and these parents don't think that don't feel supported to do that. And that's uh, another thing which we wanted to highlight <laughs> by this paper that maybe it's uh, because it's so common and it's clear in many um, articles that it's common. We shouldn't just link it to the night waking, like when you see in paper, uh, in most of the paper, when you see parental presence, you see it linked to night wakings of the children. But there is so many different uh, factors of the parental presence and night wakings. It may be, as I found uh, in the online survey, the follow-up online survey, that... Uh, some parents do help children to fall asleep because of the emotional distress the child feels in the evening. And it's the only way which helps them to feel more calm. So doesn't need to mean that you know, the parental present caused the night waking. The night waking word there, even though it is uh, parental present appear or not. And the other thing is that uh, we don't have enough data to generalize if parental present is right or not for some families. And that's another thing that paper, I hope, answer that we should first observe this practice before we do any suggestions or guidelines what to do or not to do or uh, trying to navigate parents what is right or not. So answer on your question of course, the parents' struggles in here with the uspavani is the most common topic. Because uh, another thing what I found, it's it's constantly change. Like with the development now, milestones of the child, it can happen that the child have a troubles to fall asleep 
or the child needs to change rituals to fall asleep or uh, something is happening in the family system and the child mirror it in the evening. And what is what was surprising for me was that the, that the mothers said to me, most of the mothers said to me that the first lesson they got from their, chi- from their child uh, in regarding to Uspamani was that if they are not uh, calm and relaxed, they cannot help the child to get to feel comfortable, calm and relaxed to fall asleep. So it's uh, a lot also about our own emotional calmness and distress and how to deal with it in the evening. And uh, many parents for whom the uspavani is part of their important uh, values in parenting, they don't need the advice to quit with this practice. They need the support, how to, um, how to go through the challenges which they are facing through the, uh, through the childhood. Um, and they need the support from other people or from the consultants to help them and to navigate them what may be interacting with their uh, uspavani uh, and what they can do, how they can observe, how to change the spavani to make it uh, calmer for, for the whole family, what they can change or how, for example, how temperament is connected to the rituals, the evening rituals and um, parental helping uh, with uh, calming the child who sleep. I love that and I you know it reminded me there were so many thoughts going through my head as you were speaking and the first of which was thinking about that question about bedtime and just the language used because it Helen and I were talking recently about SIDS in the previous episode and it just comes down to how we ask right you can ask the same question different ways and the answers are so varied. And I think the Anglosphere gets stuck in these certain terminologies that go, even though they've learned it. I mean, you think about the switch from controlled crying to controlled comforting. It sounds better. So therefore, families are more willing to engage because we include the term comforting involved as opposed to ah, crying. That sounds a little negative. So we'll move off to, you know, hence self-soothing. It sounds like such a positive thing, except it has no basis in in physiological reality for many children. So it's just not something that we look at. So language obviously is still crucial in this, but it's we're have that center of it has to be towards that independence and everything else. Um, One of the things I want to ask on or maybe comment on is I loved this notion that in the Czech Republic, families learn the lesson of how their emotional regulation affects the child's because it's something I talk about a lot with families in that in that evening time, children are so good. You know, one of the the strengths of children that they, you know, there's a lot they can't do in the zero to three. Their language isn't very good. They're not filing taxes. They're not earning their keep, but you know, they're not working hard. They are, but they are so good at picking up our emotional state, 
are everything. And they use it very wisely as a guide for, okay, what's going on in the world around me? Well, this person looks freaked out. I something's wrong. You know, I better not go to sleep because there's a monster under the bed that's going to eat me or whatever it is. They don't consciously think about this, but we see it very young when we see kids respond to that visual cliff experiment, right? When you look at young children, for anyone that doesn't know, I'm going to try and describe it in a way that makes sense. But you put babies on a visual, it's called a visual cliff. And what it is, is it's a glass top that they can fully crawl across. And but it looks like it drops off this the I don't even know how they do it. But just the drawing makes it look like they're walking on something. And then suddenly it's just a drop. And when kids develop that sense, that spatial sense that they can tell that it drops or not, what they do is they look to their parent to ascertain, is this safe or not? And they look and you can have parents go like, no, 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 no. And the baby will stop. And they're like, I'm not going any further. Or parents will smile and be like, no, it's okay. Come on. And babies will ignore what they're seeing to go forward. So we know kids have this very strong link to our state. And I think the way those parents have learned the lesson that it helps regulate, they have to regulate. What a healthy way to think about the evening. Like, it's not a battle. It's not me against my child. It's, no, we're in this together. And I have to be able to learn how to deal with my own whatever's going on at night to facilitate sleep for everyone. And I was wondering, when people get that, does anyone report that they sleep better because they're actually calming themselves in a way like they're doing exactly what we think we should all be doing for sleep do they report personal benefits from that yeah sure sure uh there were very nice stories i heard some of them were very strong like the um, parent had a sleep problem before they have they uh she had a children and with the child because the child was very uh contact seeking and needed the presence of that parents they uh, reported me that it helped them to fall asleep better than before they had the child children and uh, some of the parents reported that it helped uh, their own sleep and calmness during the evening because of the child because they learn how to work with their own emotional distress was the first thing and because they some of them had bad experiences from the childhood uh, it helped them to reconceptualize their own view about the sleep and fear and everything some of the stories were so strong i uh, still feel them when i'm talking about it and uh, what I love about the concept of uspavani, I used to say that for children, for some children, not all of the children uh, needs parents to stay there for the whole process of falling to sleep. But for many children, uspavani may have the same effect as the meditation have for adults when they're trying to fall asleep and they have a sleep problems. Because it's really this feeling of, uh, mindfulness and closeness what makes them feel more secure during the evening and uh, in long-term effect they may have and build very good relationship with the sleep itself so 
that brings me to something you mentioned in the article and, and what I loved um, was the idea that Uspavani helped a child through the journey of sleep, of even just that use of the term journey of sleep was something I'd never heard before. I'd never thought about sleep as a journey, even though when you think about your dreams and what you go through, I mean, it is a journey. It, it's a physiological journey. It's a psychological journey. There's so much going on there. And so that idea of going into a journey is something we talk about in other areas of parenting. We think about the journey to starting school, the journey to, you know, making friends, the, there's life journeys. And, and in all the rest of those journeys, we tend to take it for granted that, of course, we're going to support our children on their journeys. That's our job as parents is to mm -hmm. support them through the journey of, of schooling, of life, of, of this, of that. And yet, because we don't view sleep as a journey, we get to abscond from it and walk away. Whereas as soon as you use the word journey again, we go back to, oh, yeah, of course we should support them through this journey. That's a part of life. And what makes our kids feel safe on a journey is or what helps our kids on a journey is to feel secure and safe mm -hmm. and loved. And that is how we sleep best. And so it sounds like this is a really working towards building that sense of safety and security yes exactly and we can we should teach them not to be alone we should teach them how to handle the problems when we have full mind of thoughts and we cannot fall asleep we can teach them how to work with it and it can help them in the future a lot we can teach them how to feel the tiredness in the body because we are close and we see that and we name it. We say that I see that you feel tired and your head is full of minds. We can uh, we can guide them. It's really like a journey, as as you mentioned. We can teach them so many things by helping them to and through the sleep, and that's why I think we should explore it more in the research and as a researchers we should be aware of uh, spending time with the families and see the context and see why they do that because from my point of view i don't understand uh, why when in some quantitative data they see that there is a lot of families even in anglophone countries who do help children to fall asleep why they just try to link it to the night waking and not trying to um, motivate other researchers to to go and make qualitative research and find out why so many families do that. What does it mean for them? Maybe it's not only, uh, maybe we shouldn't pathologize it as some negative sleep association, but rather to find out if it's really the negative sleep association or if it's something what even par may parents enjoy or uh, something what helps parents to, um, to, um, create calm evening for the whole family, what teach them to slow down after the busy day, what teach them to come to the reality from the offline online uh, world, because it's uh, also the case, what I found in the research that most um, of the parents are mentioning the life and it's very busy. And uh, thanks to Uspavani, 
they can slow down because they have to slow down because if they don't, children will mirror it, as we said, and they will be also nervous and full of activity because they they feel the activation from the from the parents. It's uh, it's interesting because I do. I was thinking about how the research here, as you said, it it pathologizes helping your child to sleep. You hear them as bad habits, as making a rod for your own back, all these terms. And I've never understood the link to night wakings um, as a an issue, partly because the research on night wakings alone is mired by the fact that so many people are just unaware of their child's sleep. So if you have children sleeping alone, when we look at parent report, it does not mirror actigraphy at all. And, you know, I've heard people try and suggest that actigraphy just checks everything. But many of the studies that look at these wakings are looking at wakings that are longer than five minutes. You're not getting a little blip of an arousal. You're talking about a child that's awake. And regardless of what parents think, their children are still waking. This is not, it's like you're not aware of it. And that goes, I think, more to what you were talking about in terms of that family system. A child, different temperaments, different family life. What happens, a child who feels like I can now seek support again to enter back into this journey will seek it if they need it. And at a certain point, they won't need it. And I I think that's one of the things that many parents forget in those early years is they hit that stage where they don't necessarily want it. And I know my own son is getting to that stage where I try to snuggle him right at bedtime because I am a apparently a massive practicer of Uspavani. And he's now, don't touch me, mom. I'm falling asleep. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I will yeah. just step back. I'll just lie here, but okay. And they get there. It is something mm-hmm. that I think it feels so hard. And if you feel it's negative, you want to rush that process out. Or if you think and you've been led to believe that it's going to make the nights easier for you, you're going to want to rush that process. But nothing actually suggests that. There really isn't the science behind this that we think there is. And the flaws in the research that have been done, are those flaws are huge. And so I think that's one of the, the big things I just want to mention for families listening. If you are engaging in support at night, there's nothing wrong with it. It's not, you know, LinkedIn, you brought up something too about looking at the etiology of sleep. Even some of the parents mentioned that they were reacting to a child temperament and the need for Uspavani. Mm -hmm. And that likely means the wakings are happening regardless of the parent Mm -hmm. being there. And that was something I wrote in a paper about bed sharing, the reactive versus intentional bed sharing. And you know, this is a chicken or egg problem is children who wake will get parents that do what they can to get them to fall asleep, which means they're still waking regardless of what's happening. It's how you respond to it. And we assume causality here um, Mm -hmm. that really shouldn't be assumed because there are so many different factors at play. Um, But yeah, so I I just, I I find this all so interesting um, because it is, to me, the the whole essence of it gets down to that feeling of safety and security. And we don't, I think what we forget in the Anglosphere, and I'd be curious, you know, what the, the views are, if this even comes up, but I often talk to families 
as adults, if we don't feel safe, we don't sleep well. And if we don't feel totally safe, we seek the comfort of others. We watch these shows. I don't know if you have them in the Czech Republic, but we had a show a while ago called, um, I think it was Naked and Afraid. I don't know. I might have the name wrong. But they took these people who wanted to go survive like the wilderness out in dangerous circumstances. And I think they were also naked. It was very bizarre. But there we go. Uh, And they had to basically go. And the nighttime scenes, though, I found fascinating because, of course, no one went off and slept apart from the group. The group stayed together. That was the whole point. You did not want to be out there alone. Someone was always awake. You were seeking the comfort from others. But even with other people there, they woke a lot because they were constantly checking on what was, are we safe? You hear a noise, you're up and on alert. This is human survival. And this idea that our children should know that they're safe just because we think they are? it seems to ignore going back again to this family system that they're mirroring the whole life going on around them, that Mm -hmm. there's so much going on. So I'm just agreeing with everything here, but it leads to my question, which is, is there an age at which people feel that in, in the Czech Republic that Uspavani is somehow goes from being something that is necessary, positive can help them to something that is negative? Do they have that view of like, no, past once you're four, no, 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 you got to be on your own. Is that, does that pop up at all? Uh, it's, it's different. It's different in every family. Depends on the situation. It's really individual question because some parents may feel pressure when they're expecting another child, how they will handle to help two children to fall asleep. So sometimes they just split, like father helped to fall asleep the first child and mother to the baby. Uh, sometimes they try to uh, teach the child to fall asleep with audio fairy tales, for example, to listen uh, something and to uh, for just part of the evening to spend with uh, listening the audios uh, while the mother helping the baby to fall asleep or they just, just try to find a way how to make that work uh, in that new situation. Um, but what I, what I saw and what I constantly uh, hear around me from mothers is that in the older age, they also feel that this concept of uspavani helping the child and the mother because after the busy busy day uh, the mother is working and the child is in the school they have only one uh, space to really um, talk about what's happened during the day and it, it's in the evening because it's a calm uh, environment and the child opens in this calm environment environment that usually when you ask your school kid after the school what was your day <laughs> the child doesn't want to answer in long sentence because the child already switched to the another action and want to spend the time with the family on in the, at home but in the evening they the thoughts and um, struggles in their mind trying to come up because it's calm and you can think more in depth. So this uspavani may help even to older uh, children and may help also the parents to know what is going on in my uh, in the, 
the life of my child. And there is no certain age when we should stop to spend time together in the evening as a family. And I think from my personal view uh, that it's very uh, important to spend time in the evening together to talk about the daily activities, daily struggles with our children. And it's beneficial for us adults as well, because uh, some of us uh, just have a problem to switch from the from the very busy day to the calm evening and children help us with that. I think uh, what you said about the end of day discussion, I've always viewed it and I've talked to families about it who have shared amazing stories that always warm my heart that their new routine with older kids is they lie in bed together and that kid just starts talking about all the things and the parents are like, oh, I feel like I know my kids so much better. I get all the sense. We get like, I know everything that's going on now. I feel that connection. And that can continue for years and years. And I think I always viewed it as the mind trying to get all of it out before sleep. If you think about sleep as this journey and we want this positive time, our kids aren't ready to release everything that happened at the end of the day of school, right? So you finish school or whatever's happened earlier on. I think your brain's still processing it all. It's still working through it. Mm -hmm. As it's ready to go to bed, I've always felt that that the brain hits that stage of, okay, what do I need to get rid of to be able to sleep? What do I need to get out so that I can sleep and feel safe? Exactly. And that's that time that suddenly those conversations can happen. And and sometimes it's not even that it's a negative have to get out, but it, it's keeping your brain racing. Sometimes it's positive. I've had my kids share, oh my God, and then this and this and this and this. And you're just like, okay, get all that out because clearly it's going to race through your head over and over again and make it harder to fall asleep. But once they get it all out, okay, good, that's done. And now I can fall asleep because whatever it was that kept the thoughts going, they have an escape route. Uh, so I do see that importance. And it actually brings me to the question of you did the follow-up study, which was, say, we have this first part where you've talked to people, we see how important Uspavani is to everyone. But then you had the follow-up, which was an online survey uh, where you asked people, what was the, the exact question? It was uh, why? For those, yeah, for those who are using this Uspavani, what are the reasons they do that? And, and you had some fascinating themes come up here that I would like to kind of touch on here. So who, how many people did you get to answer this? And what were some of these big themes that kind of emerged from this question? Mm -hmm. So I analyzed 468 comments. Yeah, quite a lot. And I was surprised by the meanings which family given to the Uspavani. There were five uh, most uh, often used uh, expression of the Uspavani concept. Uh, uh, for example, what confirmed my theory about the historical heritage about Uspavani was that the, a lot of majority of mothers was mothers, majority of mothers uh, answered to me I didn't even think about why I shouldn't do that because it's so 
normal and common for me if the child cry i will help him to fall asleep i i will not let him cried out or something because he needs me he or she needs me so i'll be there so and a lot of them uh describe uspani as instinctual common practice uh, there were another comments which were describing uspavani as something what helps them to calm down as well and what fits into the family lifestyle uh, some of the mothers mentioned that the the, the uspavani is the only time when the father have the chance to reconnect with the child because uh, uh, the father is for a whole day in the work and evening is the time they can spend uh with the child talking to them talking to the child or or cuddling or, or reading the fairy tale or books and there were the mothers who were describing uh uspavani or the reason why they do that uh, in terms of their own experiences as i mentioned that i have own experience from my childhood this was uh, in the comments this was in both negative and positive uh, experiences some of the parents were describing their own negative experiences from the childhood and they uh, they thought that uh, this lead to the fear from the night which is still persistent which they still feel in in adulthood when they're trying to fall asleep and they didn't want their child to experience the same fear some of them remembered that fear from the childhood was was surprising for me they re- really remembered the feeling of anxious and fear and that nobody helped them to uh go to um handle this fear or to go through this journey of sleep and uh, that that they they re, they um decided to have different approach with their child and they wanted to feel they wanted them to feel uh, comfort and and uh, secure while they're falling asleep and there were also the positive experiences of mothers who remembered the great feeling of security they didn't remember exact uh, uh, rituals and different rituals they remembered this feeling of security when mother or father was beside the child and uh the beautiful comments were i remember one um, mother wrote that I still feel the touch of my mother and that feeling inside of my body and calmness which comes with her sense and when I feel her to when I felt her uh, to be with me and I still feel the touch of her hand when when I try to remember my childhood and also there were these positive um, um memories and some mothers or even explain that they when the child was born when their child was born uh they sing to the child and during the singing they realize that it's a real the same song which the mother sang them but they they it, they did it by accident accidentally they didn't plan to use the same the same one but they just remember them uh, while they were using uh, this uspavani 
and you make me cry. I'm already like teary thinking about <laughs> these connections. Yeah, that always make me cry when I read it. When I go again through, sometimes I read that comments because they are so beautiful, and the reasons are so beautiful, and uh, and it really helps to read them when you are tired <laughs> to help your child to fall asleep to see again. And this is the support we miss as a parent. Somebody who will rem- who will uh, tell us that it's okay. It's okay you feel tired. It's okay that, yeah, they are struggling. There is many positive uh, things about Uspavani and there is many things you can change if you don't like this or that. And it helped a lot. And I think that's why also we should research it because there is so many interesting topics under this. And uh, so another thing what was mentioned was that they just want to meet the children's needs for closeness and contact and and they want to be there for the child. And they saw it as the parental goal to meet the needs of the children this idea of needs is something I have to discuss with you because I think it's at the crux of the dichotomy we have here in the Anglosphere and in Uspavani, in South Korea, in everything that's being talked about. It may just be me. It seems that in the Anglosphere, our idea of needs is very, the parental needs A come first is that we look at what the parent needs and there's a focus on that, right? We even have that whole saying of if your needs aren't met, you can't meet your kids with this idea, but we've warped needs there to really mean wants. And we also see that the needs that we put on parents are not to calm down at the end of the workday. It's to get your kid to bed so that you can get back and be more productive and keep that busy, busy, busy going. There isn't this sense of of calm, but also that the child's needs have nothing to do with psychological or emotional connection. We have removed that. If you take Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that whole section on social emotional support, it's somehow just been warped to mean that's not there or that it only needs to be there at certain times when it's convenient for the parent. Mm -hmm. And it seems like at the heart of this is an understanding of child's needs, this temperament difference, this, you know, instinctual behavior, the the meeting the child's needs as being part of something, what you do and that you're supported in meeting your child's needs versus if you view the child's needs as needing to be independent from you, needing to be able to handle everything alone how you approach that is very different. Do you see a discussion? I mean, when you think, because you're working in the UK now, and the UK is has a very large kind of sleep training culture about it. Do you see discussion of needs being different in terms of, you know, those that are practicing Uspavani versus, I guess, those that aren't? I mean, have you ever even done the study where you've asked people, those that aren't doing it, why are you not doing it? Does it <laughs> I would love to hear the answer to that, right? Like the comparison here, because I imagine they both would go to needs, but Mm -hmm. how those needs are conceptualized would be quite different. Yes. That will be my other research. Go more in depth to Spavani and different different approaches to that. Uh, But yes, uh, 
if we look at that needs topic uh, by lenses of historical books for parents in Czech Republic, I even found uh, in 1985, I found a pediatrician who was against co-sleeping and bed sharing, but he still supported uspavani. He still wrote that uh, the sleep needs of children are different and the parents should observe it and find the needs for a sleep. And uh, if the child feel uh, unsecure, they should stay there with the child and to calm the child with the words or with the touch. And he even mentioned at the time, he even mentioned that different children by temperament need different rituals in the evening and what i like what i like about that book is also that he mentioned the family system actually in 1985 he wrote that the whole family should calm down in the evening and if they are arguing they should finish that arguing and start to work on on calm environment so the child can fall asleep peacefully because the child feels that the family feel good and everything is okay and, and the parents feel okay and feel calm and the child can fall asleep and doesn't need to worry about anything. And in the 19th century, for example, the historian Milena Lendrolova in the Czech Republic, she found that the family doctors some of the family doctors in 19th century even suggested mothers to keep their infants close uh, because of the breastfeeding and to uh, provide this uh, bodily contact with the infants. And also we have pediatrician from 1945, Mirka Fugnerova, who wrote a very famous book about the childcare. And she mentioned that if the child... Uh, doesn't sleep well like she the child is waking during the night you should use cried out uh, but she didn't link it to the developmental reasons that the child should sleep through the night she linked it to the uh, economical activity of parents that the uh, mother should provide strict regime because of the work of the family so maybe that's why the just uh, my theory that's why the reason wasn't that strong for for the families to follow it or for everyone to follow it. So some of them just uh, pick up this advice, some of them not, because she. Uh, the fact is that um, in the Czech Republic, the children's sleep wasn't really the topic, wasn't really the topic uh, which uh, should appear in uh, in books about childcare uh, or which should have a long space in a book it's always from the historical point of view there's always just two three sentences about it and uh, more about the other topics around child care and the sleep topic itself is in the rise uh, just now as i i said to you so maybe the sleep training business will come to the Czech republic i don't know what will happen and that's why i want to uh stay in this uh 
research and research it more because I would like to know what will happen now because I already seen some sleep consultants. Some of them uh, support parents in, in uh, sleep training. Some of them uh, try to support them in uspavani and the biological normal sleep. And uh, now we are getting there we are i i saw the sleep regression translated to czech republic like this term and uh, parents uh, are getting familiar with these english terms and phrases regarding to sleep training so i'm i'm wondering what will happen in the future so sad to me i hear that and i'm like no just keep our bullshit out because we're not a good influence in this realm this whole anglosphere we do not send good things your way which makes me happy that actually you were there before all this started that you have created a space become an expert that you get to be at the forefront of it and immediately shoot things down as they enter the sphere i hope to keep it from truly entering the sphere i think it's fascinating that at least, you know, when sleep training was brought up back, then it had to do with economics, because really it is. When you think about sleep training, it has nothing to do about the child's sleep. It doesn't, I have a paper coming out um, in clinical lactation where we reviewed the studies that actually do look at sleep training, well, the effect of sleep training on sleep. So you actually have actigraphy data pre and post sleep training doesn't change anything. The kid's sleep doesn't change. So if we're trying to claim it's for the child, we're doing a really poor job of giving them anything. It's really for the needs of the parent, which is a whole other topic that we'll get into. So I can't thank you enough for sharing all this. This has been so eye-opening. I am loving this term. I love the idea of journeys. I We need to, to go the opposite way and bring this language into the Anglosphere to change not only the research, but I think the support for parents. When we think about these things, like I said, the idea of the journey of sleep, of course we support our kids' journeys. So why not support the journey to sleep? The family system, of course, we all need this. And our children are a reflection of everything going on around them. So a lot of it has to do with us. And I think I wanted to bring it back then and I didn't, and I will say it briefly now. I think it's incredibly hard for parents in the Anglosphere to get support to say, okay, maybe I need to relax a bit. I need to care for me because the pressures on families to be more productive, get everything done, do it all with no support is so strong that it becomes difficult to, to let that go. Even if you know you want to support your child, even if you, I remember myself having moments of engaging in Uspavani and bed sharing and everything. And that moment of, oh, I really should get up and do more. I really should, you know, I need you to fall asleep so I can go get X, Y, and Z done. It's still there. And it's a hard time to kind of let it go. Mm -hmm. But we have to. And I think Mm -hmm. it's best for when we talk about how important sleep is. Our I always laugh. Our Anglosphere culture, no one should be looking to us for sleep because even if you look at adult sleep, we're abysmal. None of us sleep well. And I think it goes back to probably this inability to calm in the evening that we never had as kids or beyond. But anyway, before we go, I just, I I thank you so much. This has been so enlightening. I love this term. I love 
all the concepts of it. I love it in research. I love what you're doing in the Czech Republic to support families on top of the research. So what is next in your research? We talked a little bit about this, this larger idea, but what are you looking into? What is kind of this big, broad, you've got your PhD coming up, so I know there's a big, broad research area there. What are you looking at? Yes. Uh, I would like, as I said, to continue in exploring Spavani. The reason why they do that or why they don't do that, I would love to interview more uh, fathers and implement them to the research because they are uh, very. They play a very important role in nuclear families, <laughs> in supporting mothers, and uh, they may have slightly different opinion about the sleep practice. And I remember when I was talking with mothers and fathers, that mother said that, yeah, I'm struggling with the night waking of my child. And the father to uh, told me that the child has no problem. We sleep very well. <laughs> so the the opinion about uspavani and the length and the struggles and challenges may be slightly different in the eyes of the, of the fathers. And I will uh, focus on the toddlerhood because it's a big topic and a lot going on in this age between the two and three years old. And uh, as I already seen in my previous ethnography, uh, the Uspavani change with the new with the new developmental challenges, and it, it's especially true in toddlerhood because toddlers are <laughs> wanted to uh, be in charge when to go to sleep and how they want to fall asleep and who should help them to fall asleep and i would love to observe and explore that and i will use more different methodologies i will implement actigraphy to the um, to my research i would like to see the difference between the toddlers uh, who fall asleep alone and who fall asleep with the parents. And if there is a difference really on the actigraphy uh, about them regarding to their, uh, to their sleep, and I will use uh, sleep diaries and focus group again, because uh, it appeared to be very good methodology to find out the sociocultural context and the meanings and different meanings of the, um, of the practices of parents. I'm excited for all of it. So you'll have to come back when it's all done and we'll go through it all because those are excellent questions and excellent methodologies to look at all of it. So for anyone that is interested, the website, I mean, it's in, if you speak Czech, then it's, uh, it will be listed in the show notes. You'll be able to see all of Lenka's work. I will link to the article we're talking about, uh, which hopefully you can access. Is it okay if people can't access it, if they email you to get a copy so they can sure. read up more on this Uspavani? Sure. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here. This has been so lovely. Your English is excellent. And I hope I did not butcher all my, my Czech attempts at saying things correctly. And I just thank you so much for being here again. Thank you very much for having me here because I just, sometimes I, I think, how easier it would be for me that time in the UK if I read the right website and I feel more confident I couldn't feel nervous. So I'm so happy that this kind of websites and podcasts like yours exist for, 
for parents around the world. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Oh, thank you so much. No, it is my pleasure to share the research as it's done by the researchers. It is something I believe strongly in. So thank you so much for being willing to come on and talk about it and share. Thank you. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you can embrace Uspavani and the support that our kids need and deserve when it comes to sleep. Please join me next week as we move towards that topic that gets everyone worried and defensive, screen time. I'm joined by Dr. Megan Owens, researcher and founder of Screen Free Parenting, as she discusses what we really know about screen time, and you may be surprised, and how families can work to get to a place where children thrive and we all survive. In the meantime, please stay safe and happy parenting.